Why do you want to be a member of the House of Keys? Um, well, since I arrived on the island, I've always been interested in, um, in the well-being of the island and its population. And um, I joined Lassie Commissioners uh, in 1994 and um, was chairman for three times during that, uh, that, that period. I had to um, resign from the commissioners, not because I uh, was no longer interested in it, but because my work with government, treasury, um, meant that I had to travel off island. And I'm a great believer that if you are part of a body that is over overseeing planning and issues like that, then you need to be attending the meetings to have any you know, positive input. So that's the reason that I stepped back from um, the commissioners. However, I did run for the, uh, the Keys by-election, um, in 1995 and I also stood for the general election last time in 2016 so that obviously demonstrates my uh, ongoing commitment to, to uh, become uh, involved mm. in politics on why, the Isle of Man. Why do you think you weren't successful on those occasions? Um, I think the, the, the first time um, I w probably knew um, there were existing candidates that uh, had probably more experience than me at the time in fairness because I was younger in those days um, in 2016, it was a, a close. You may—I don't know whether you've seen the results, but it was a close decision. And uh, uh, sadly, we did have a little bit of um, a few issues with the counting process and uh, the returning officer uh, at the time. And um, uh, the, at the first count, I uh, was ahead of the game, and then obviously he found another box, which is, is quite unusual. Um, and I ended up being 23 votes short, so it was close, um, which is why I believe that it's best to. Um, uh, give it another go. People are very supportive and uh, I think I've still got exactly the same to offer even though I'm five years older, as is everyone else. Well, we're here now, aren't we? And you've spent the last five years watching the MHKs for Garth. Um, how do you think they've fared? Um, well, it, it's uh, obviously, um, it's easy to talk from the outside. Um, there are challenges, I'm, I'm quite sure, once one is elected um, because your um, passions and motives may not be as easily achievable as you believe they may be whilst you're outside. Um, I'm not convinced that they've been um, quite vociferous as, as they could have been. Um, as you know, we had the major flooding incident in Laxey 2019, and um, there, there were a lot of issues leading up to that which could have helped to mitigate it. What do you mean? Uh, well, obviously there are ongoing works that, 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 that should have been um, completed. Uh, they they weren't, and um, I just think we lacked the that that although central government was involved in it because obviously they had the contracts there was that they we lacked the governance, uh, and I think that sometimes that governance is is a responsibility of the MHK to continue overseeing the work, and that's something that I've done in a personal capacity since two thousand and nineteen. Is it the job of a constituency MHK to be doing that? Have they they've that if if they're not in the relevant department, you know what what can they do? Well, it's, yeah, but irrespective, you, you you are elected by the people of your sheeding, but you're also a, a national politician. And if it's something of grave concern, which this was to your part of your constituency, then irrespective what department where you may be, you need to have you know at least some input and show um, a real positive um, approach to uh, trying to move the job on. Okay, what about on any? other issues, big ones in Garth, for example, sewage, and what do you think about the current situation there? Well, again, the sewage, I believe the sewage system has been totally neglected. 
I mean, I don't like when I stories, but when I was on the commissioners back in 1994, we were talking about primary screening of the laxy sewage. We're now 2021. Um, because I was so um, interested in trying to sort out the, the issues of Laxey Bay, um, obviously I, I've joined the Best for Laxey group, which is ideal, it's, it's a good forum. But in recent days, um, again, because of the success we've had through forming a proper consolidated group for the flooding, I've now started um, to do exactly the same regarding sewage. Um, I went down myself, uh, down the cliff face uh, in Laxey. Uh, we've taken photographs, uh, we've taken videos, and we've taken water samples. Uh, and this is all, we're doing this all uh, voluntary. Um, I'm currently waiting results of those first water samples, um, and then obviously we'll continue to do that so that we can con uh, obviously compare the results of, of these um, various samples as uh, time goes on. But so we know the issue is, is, is critical because there is no, it is just an open sewer. There is no control of the effluent coming out of the pipe. So what do you think the answer is? Well, the answer is we need to put, the, there used to be a flap on the end of the pipe. So critically, we need to re, obviously reinstate the flap because of the flap works with the tides. So obviously the, the sewage is held for a certain time during the day when the tide is, is, is low uh, and etc, etc. Um, I won't go into all the details here and bore the, bore the listeners. But obviously that's what we need to do, that's critical. And then longer term we have to decide the very best option for laxi, be it um, to treat and, um, and obviously put the treated effluent into the bay or to try and connect to Onken Head where is the, uh, the sewer which then goes to Miriveg. So what do you think? Should it be on the on the main iris scheme or not? Well, I think I think it should be because I don't think Laxey Bay, even if even if it was treated to it, the, the the shape of Laxey Bay and the tidal situation will always bring uh, effluent into treated or not into the bay at some time during the day. So I think we've got to be, and I think it would be better to actually go you know, and actually uh, whether we pump it or whatever reason, whatever. Thing you, you wish to do however you get it there but I think it does need to be connected because then it's be, it will be treated properly with other sewage from the island at Miriveg and go into the, the sea as, as um, treated affluent as whatever else they do at Miriveg. Okay thank you very much. One of your priorities you list is climate change. Yes. Um, what do you make of the outgoing administration's approach? Well again there's a I don't I'm not convinced that they have done the best um there is a lot to do, and it's a it's a diverse subject. I mean, we you, we can talk about plastics, single-use plastics. We can talk about vehicles, carbon emissions. You talk about solid fuels. Talk about um, and, and including solid fuels. You talk about kiln-dried logs and all these things. And we've been encouraged in recent years to obviously go smokeless even though there is no no smokeless zones over here, uh, and we're doing everything in our power to convince customers because obviously I'm, I'm also at the ferry cottage filling station so I have a, a solid fuel business as well um, which I, I oversee I'm not, it's not full-time and we've been encouraging people to go smokeless however the kiln dried logs uh, are, are good for the Isle of Man but the process of kiln drying the logs we're leaving someone else with a carbon footprint you you've just said you you run a petrol station yes is that not at odds with the climate change agenda? Well, it may well be. Um, it, it, we are where we are. Um, I support Ruby Mijon, who's been there since 1967. 
Uh, we only sell diesel, which I know is is um, is, is is highly carcinogenic. Um, but the number of cars that totally still rely on that um, need to be supplied. So uh, I'm happy to try and do that, but in the interim to work towards uh, lower carbon emissions. My own vehicle runs on recycled cooking oil, so I reclaim, reuse, and recycle uh, cooking oil, and that's a, a diesel car. Cooking oil. Cooking oil. Right, I've not heard of that. Before. Right, well, it's just uh, what you would see. You wouldn't like the process because it's what it's the dregs that come out of the uh, various fryers and cookers after you've been on your evening meal or wherever you may be for, or go for lunch, and uh, it's processed. And um, I have my own, um, you know, processing system, a uh, small system, and um, I, well, I then put it in the car. But is this not at odds with the green agenda? Should we not all be driving an electric car? Well, the electric electric car, yes, and my wife has a hybrid. Um, we've got a hybrid car, which is a, a mixture of electric and um, petrol. However, I would also, and I'm only just researching this, so I can't go into detail, but I understand the lithium that we require for various batteries from uh, hearing aids through to electric cars uh, has only about 40 years of mining left. So if we do that, then very good for us, but that's not really looking at climate change for future generations. Why does the Isle of Man need to be looking at climate change? Are we not insignificant on a, an international stage? Uh, we probably are, but I think we still need to make our mark. We've got the biosphere um, credibility, which we need to look at. We've got great works by Beach Buddies and Bill Dale. So we've got all these issues that we need to... We've got to make our mark, but we are limited when you think of what we import, and then we are the backstop. So everything that we import that is not recyclable, we then have to... Uh, and single-use plastic is a major, major issue with that. So what do you um, think about the, a target for net zero carbon emissions? The debate was 2050 versus 2030. Do you think those are the only options? Do you support I, I don't. I, I, wouldn't say, I, think, I think when you set a target, then it's got to be realistic. And if you say, obviously, 2050 sounds miles away, it's not that far away. But I think it might be small steps. We do each thing, but small steps. Uh, and I think if doing that, then if, if you set targets of certain things to be achievable by even 2025, I mean, why 2030? I mean, single-use plastics could be by 2020. Yeah, well, why do you need another nearly 10 years for single-use plastics? OK. Um, anything else you want to talk about on climate change? Um, well, obviously, I, I encourage solar solar energy wherever I can. Um, heat source pumps are another another part, but not the whole answer. Uh, so th there are other things that we we can do, but the, the the things that we're trying to main things are the the, the you know the critical carbon emissions that um, we, we all talk about and see in our daily lives. All right, let's move on. You've also told us affordable housing is one yeah. of your top priorities. Why is that? Well, it's it's been. I'm very very disappointed with the. Um, with the con construction people over on the Alaman, and I've said it openly, and I'll, I'll repeat myself today you because mean in the um, private sector, especially for first-time buyers, the housing is ludicrous, right? Um, the sharp practice of development companies is contemptible. Um, we need immediate government action action to formulate a new first-time buyer scheme, uh, and also consider possibilities of establishing um, a housing association or similar, which is non-for-profit and will provide good quality accommodation at uh, reasonable rental prices. So the first-time buyers at least have a chance to get a foot on the ladder, have a smaller rental while they're trying to afford a deposit. But that's rental, that's not, that's yeah, not buying. But, but there are some people that are in, in some people that do want to rent in the interim because they, they can't always afford a deposit immediately. So but is that needs bit to not the two. problem? Is, is not affording the deposit, is that not the problem that needs 
addressing. Well, that's what I've said with the with the government. Um, you know, if the government also has a the, the uh, updates the, um, the the loan the loan scheme. If the government updates the loan scheme to help them, and the other thing I think that we could also consider is a, a property cap, which mean which in my view would be where a developer has a development of, for argument's sake, fifty houses, and a certain percentage have to be for first-time buyers. Those property prices for first-time buyers are capped. Now that the, could you could decide on on a limit, which 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 is who knows you could decide on that. But the way that you would cap it is it wouldn't cost anyone anything other than the con- the landowner and the construction people. But, but the public, well, you've just said the public sector is not going to go for this because they're going to be the ones who lose out. How how can the MHKs legislate for that? Well, you, uh, the legislation leg- legislate. Well, obviously they've, they've got the power to legislate. If 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 there is consensus within government, then you've got power to legislate for what you wish. Um, if if it, if it's a case you say well yes we could bring a, co- a property cap in which means that the landowner takes a cut on the first time buyers and the construction people take a cut because they're making millions of pounds on all the rest of the properties then why should they it is in their interest because they are supposed to be building and supporting the Isle of Man why should they not also have a deep interest in the young people here does it not go against the free market the free economy arguments that we have. That well, we, may, that we exist in? Uh, no, I don't think it does because the thing is sometimes in a free market economy there has to be checks and balances. And in this instance, literally, we, we cannot have a, a continuation of these spiralling house prices where young people have saved for a house and have paid the deposit, mind, paid the deposit, and I repeat myself, and then the deposit has been returned to them because the price has increased since the time they signed and that that is immoral in my view it is contemptible and immoral all right thank you very much you say government spending is one of your priorities um what do you mean by that well government spending obviously it's it's easy to um we can spend anybody else's money it's dead easy as you know and the government has no money of its own it's all your money my money everyone else that's paying into the system and I think it's a care. Every time um, that anything happens in government, then it has to go through treasury approval to be signed off by the various uh, treasury board uh, and the, and the ministry, if necessary. And the thing is that it's in so many cases we're seeing it that there's no accountability and there's no governance. So therefore, uh, you will quote. And if you're having the work done on your house and you receive a quote, you don't expect that work to be a not done on time and b to overrun. Uh, the, the, the budget that you've, you, you've um, committed to it. And it's exactly the same with government. We, you need to keep a strong eye on the, on the budgeting process and ensure that if anybody comes back for more, they physically, it, it's got to be an exceptionally good reason as to why they need more budget over and above what we've already agreed for the project in hand. So this is, do you think that the, the current system of the budget and the, the one vote on the entire pink book is that is that effective? I'm not convinced, and I think the people should be more involved in the budget making process. I think that the um, the con- a consultation process should be out. So, for argument's sake, budget normally February February March time. If you said, well, start by early January when people have got over Christmas and New Year, and say, right, this these are the budget proposals, and get some feedback. Because in, in fairness, when you re- when when you're elected to a, a position, be it a, a, even a civil servant, when you're a civil servant or an MHK or a politician, then you're a servant of the people. And you cannot serve the people unless you're in constant, constant um, dialogue and conversation with them. OK, so let's say we get to, you get elected, it gets to January. We're not in this system. We're still where we are now, whether it's one vote on the pink book. Would you vote for it or against it? 
I know it depends what's in it. Well, but... it depends what, obviously. I mean, that, that's like saying, you know, obviously voting blind. But, it, but... OK, for example, there's um, 10 things in it which you really support, but there's one thing you don't. Yeah. Which way do you go? Do you vote for it or against it? Well, again, and, I, and I've said this to people on the door, that I'm going to continue canvassing opinion. So if the public are not involved in it, the public of Garth will be, the constituents of Garth will be involved in it because I'll be canvassing that I'll say that we've got this as the issue before us, these are the options, this is what I believe about it, have you got any input? And then on a, on a, on a balance, in, in percentage terms, they will be part of that, that uh, budgeting process as a consequence of my input, even though it's not written in law because I, will, I am determined to uh, represent the people not just for the vote, but every time, everything in between. But you can't, you can't, you can't represent what everybody thinks all of the time because some people will think one thing, some people will think the other. But you've only got one vote in the chamber. Well, I, ha- I have only got one vote. But what I'm saying, at least if I've if I've canvassed that opinion, I am sure on what the majority of of those people wish, and that'll give me a conviction on which way to vote. Okay, Mr. Smith, thank you very much for that. Um, I want to ask you. Now, why are you standing independently? Do you not um, affiliate with any of the ideologies of political parties over here? Um, I don't think I ever have, really. I mean, there's been, uh, over the years, various um, people have made it. There was the APG group a while ago, and then obviously we've had the um, Liberal Vanning Party and things. And uh, not really. I'm, I, I, am re- I like to be independent. I mean, the thing is, independent, if you're independent, then you can control your own destiny. And I think it's important that sometimes, uh, again, you, you know, you, you can't be swayed. Where do you know, you... you've got to be convinced. You can't be swayed, but you'll certainly lean. Where do you lean politically? Um, left or right? Well, I would say more more right than left, more right than left. Sadly, I had a very bad experience with with Labour governments in, in the United Kingdom, which is why I came here in the first place. Um, so, sadly, I think that the, um, yeah, definitely more more right than than to the left. Who would, who would you like to be the next chief minister? And that's, now this is, this is making a big assumption, isn't it? We are assuming, uh, and you know when people assume, you make an ass, ass out of you and me. Um, but if uh, there was, for argument's sake, if um, Alf Cannon was elected, and if Chris Trommel was elected, and if David Ashford was re-elected, and if Graeme Crudine were re-elected, then I think that I would err on the side of... Um, Chris Thomas at the moment, because I believe that Alf Cannon, um, I think we need continuity and stability. And I think David Ashford has also already indicated he is not interested in chief minister position. That may change uh, after he's been re-elected, but I think David has done a sterling job in health. And I think that to, to change things now would be detrimental to the island and its population. I think Alf Cannon has done well in Treasury. How so, would, sorry, we're running short on time. Yeah. How would Chris Thomas provide continuity? He's not been a minister for the last year and a half. He hasn't, but he has a lot of experience uh, through policy and resources and what he's done. And um, I just think we need out of the foot and again we I say we're making an assumption here so maybe that one of the other ministers is re-elected and, and fine we can choose there so we are trying we are trying to look a bit ahead of the game so apologies i'm not quite answering your question but it's it's uh, it's not a foregone conclusion until the uh, midnight or even after on the 23rd absolutely all right then andrew smith sum up then why should the voters of garth elect you on the 23rd of september hello I'm Andrew Smith, an independent candidate standing for the constituency of Garth. 
I freely relocated to the island with my wife and two daughters with employment in 1986 and chose to live in Laxey. My employment history has been in accountancy, working in all sectors, agricultural, banking, construction, fund management, insurance, oil and gas, shipping and yacht and, and aircraft industries. I am now semi-retired. I am not new to Manx politics as I served on the board of Laxey Commissioners between 1992 and 2001 and I also stood for election in Garth in 1995 and 2016. I've also worked in the Isle of Man Government Treasury between 97 and 2008, where my role involved promoting the Isle of Man financial services industry within the UK and beyond. Consequently, I have had interaction with politicians in Westminster, Brussels, the Middle East, Far East and Australasia. I rescued Laxey Fair from failure in 1999 and have since been the principal organiser. Following the series flooding in Laxey in 2019, I formed the Garfield Action Association. From the major incident being declared, this association became active and continually monitors flooding incidents throughout Garth, collating and disseminating relevant information, both to central and local government and also to the wider community. I've always had and continue to have a commitment and passion for Garth and the island. This is well documented on public record. There are many crucial issues to be addressed over the next five years. First and foremost, to stimulate the economy into recovery following recent fiscal challenges. Without this, there would be no money for any services. Also to tackle the critical housing situation regarding first-time buyers, ensure a fully funded holistic health service and reduction in waiting lists, police and border security, education, supporting the vulnerable who continually require the support of the food bank, fuel poverty, environment and climate change, the list goes on. I am competent, conscientious and caring with a dedication, passion and resolve to assist our island nation and its resilient people to work towards a brighter hope for the future. Please consider using one of your votes for me. Thank you.